I'm Oliver Taplin. I'm here in dialogue with Joshua Billings about tragedy with a capital T. And in the second of our dialogues, we're moving on to the question, what does tragedy do for people? And the, the question was opened at the beginning of, of the first discussion because we came to thinking that tragedy essentially arouses powerful emotions. Now, in real life, emotions, of course, are a vital part of our experiences, but we have a tendency perhaps to control them. At least most societies say you should keep your emotions in control. And perhaps in the theatre, you're not being expected to keep your emotions in control. But then the point about the emotions in the theatre is that they're felt vicariously. They're not felt about real life. They're not felt about the life of the person feeling them. Uh, the audience feels about things that are being enacted in front of them, things that are being imitated. Uh, if you put it negatively, you could say things that are being faked. And the experience, instead of being in the world, is contained, contained within a special time and place, usually an auditorium, as it was in ancient Greece, where the theatre was a fixed and indeed a sacred space, sacred to Dionysus, and on the spring days of his festival. But that raises the question is, is the experience of tragedy only a matter of feeling? Now, I certainly want to say quite unequivocally, certainly not. It's not just a matter of feeling. Now, it's true that emotional response is incredibly fast, and that sometimes our emotions are, we would want to say, are totally unthinking, completely irrational. But usually they involve thought, they involve cognition, they involve some kind of processing of what's perceived. You perceive the situation and then you emotionally respond. So it's kind of what one might call a cognitive approach to emotion. And here comes Aristotle again. He pioneered this, though, not in his poetics that we mentioned before, but in his rhetoric, discussing how to arouse emotions in the public. And it's obviously very relevant to political campaigning. Aristotle takes anger as an example. He says, you feel anger if you believe yourself to have been unjustly underrated, if you, if you think you've been unfairly undervalued. That's very perceptive. He also perceptively adds that we feel anger strongest with family and with friends because they're the people who, of all people, we expect not to underrate us unjustly. We expect our family and our friends to value us with fairness. And that's relevant to tragedy, which is so often caught up with the, the stresses and strains of family. But, of course, Aristotle then says also that you feel anger also on behalf of others if you're persuaded that they've been unfairly undervalued, undeservedly undervalued. <clears throat> this sense of fairness, of what's deserved, it's, it's fascinating to see how early that develops in children. And it goes very deep. And it's perhaps especially, at least I think, especially applicable to pity. Pity, you feel pity for suffering, but you feel, above all, you feel pity most and most strongly for suffering that is undeserved, for suffering that is disproportionate, that's unfair. And yet that's not enough to arouse the emotions of tragedy because what you feel pity for is not just awful things happening on stage. And, and tragedy is, is more than a depiction of having terrible things happen to people. There must be more than disaster in tragedy. But it's hard also to, to put your finger on what it is that distinguishes a character in a tragedy from someone who's just unlucky. But 
Yeah, Surely suppose, there is something. I suppose something. It's, it, it's to do with what one might call narrative context. I mean, the, the, the assessment that leads to the feeling is made interesting and is made uh, thought-provoking by the ethical context, by the morals, by the religion, by the, the politics, the psychological setting. These are all built up in the play, at least as I see it in a good play. A, a whole context and conceptual context is built up, and within that, the emotions are, are played. And you, how do you think that relates to tragedies of everyday life? Tragedies of everyday life are not going to have the same kind of political uh, context as a tragedy set in the past or a tragedy set among great heroes. They're not going to have the same religious context in different uh, religious settings. But I think one still gets this uh, complexity of the human situation within, so that you get both the thought and the emotion simultaneously meshing. And also, in the final analysis, you get a pleasure from tragedy. And that's something that, that you don't get from watching horrible things happen. I quite often get asked, well, what's the difference between watching a tragedy in which you see Gloucester's eyes put out or um, Titus Andronicus, where you see Oedipus's eyes put out? What's the difference in watching that kind of a horrible atrocity and going to see a, a horror movie? Or going to the amphitheatre and watching uh, Roman gladiators uh, chopping each other up? Mm -hmm. And I think... One has to say, well, actually, a horror show could be tragic if it has a complicated and thought-provoking enough uh, context. Mm -hmm. uh, the horror is not in itself anti-tragic at all. And uh, tragedies it, can sometimes show real grotesque yeah. and horrifying actions on stage Absolutely. if you think of the Bacchae. Yeah. yeah, but I think one of them also wants to say the atrocity is not for atrocity's sake. It's some part of something larger. Um, and I, I would want to say that the, the context created by the narrative is, is essential to the whole business. If the issues um, and questions raised aren't thought-provoking, then it's, it's not tragedy, it's, it's something else. And they're not going to be thought-provoking. They're not going to have tragic depth without the emotions as well. People sometimes say, well, is tragedy, is tragedy merely entertainment? And I say, well, yes. I don't think I agree with them merely. But tragedy is entertainment. It's not somehow above entertainment. It's not somehow transcending or superior to entertainment. Uh, audiences and readers go to it for, as you said, a certain kind of pleasure. Uh, there's even a, a compulsion. I always, I always remember um, Keats's ode on sitting down to read King Lear again. He says, for once again, for once again, the fierce dispute betwixt damnation and impassioned clay must I burn through, and this must I burn through. It's the compulsion, he has to, he can't keep away from it, kind of addicted to it, and he must burn through it. So there is a kind of pleasure in the distress. There certainly is, but, but it's hard then to quite define where that pleasure comes from. And one of the ways it's been defined, and, and a word that you hear again and again and again in which ultimately goes back to Aristotle's poetics, is the word catharsis, some kind of purgation. And it's, but it's hard to say what is purge, what we lose at the end of a tragedy, or how it is. Is it an emotional response, a cognitive response? And then how could that, that loss be some kind of pleasure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the one thing everybody seems to agree about, uh, about that tragedy is something to do with catharsis. Well, I, you know, I went to this tragedy, I had a really good catharsis. But um, I, I, don't, 
I don't really like it. Um, I'm not sure it is the right uh, concept at all. It's it's too purgative, as you say. I mean, people argue endlessly over exactly what Aristotle meant by it. But what's agreed is it's getting rid of something bad. It's a purgation. It's a, a purification. It's a cleansing. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure that does really justice to the experience of tragedy. I, I think medical metaphors are pretty unavoidable, but I prefer metaphors uh, of taking in rather than getting rid of, or of ingesting, of, of taking on board. Sometimes I think it's more like um, homeopathy, you know, the, where you take a dose of, of the poison in order to cure the poison. Well, um, the, I think better than that, uh, vaccination, vaccination or inoculation. Um, now there processed from the actual virus or whatever, something that is put into the system in order to strengthen the system against the full dose, against the unbearable um, and possibly uh, fatal illness. And as I see it, tragedy, uh, at least I'd, I'd like to explore the idea that tragedy strengthens its viewers for life outside the theatre. It's not going to ward off suffering. Um, none of us are, are immune to unpredictable suffering. It might give the illusion, it might give us the feeling that it's somehow helping us to, to ward off the disease. But it can't do that, but it can increase our understanding, it can increase our insight, it can inform our life outside the theatre. And, and if that's right, if tragedy is a kind of um, inoculation which enables you to cope better with life, then it's not something you leave behind, like a catharsis. It's not something that goes down the sewer um, it's something that you take with you out of the theatre. So it's it's the way you feel after after a good workout tragedy. <laughs> I wouldn't it's, I wouldn't know about that. <laughs> it's a workout of of, of 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 emotions and and feelings of the ways that we understand our place in the world. Tragedy. Yes, and that's why I don't really think that a purification, that a kind of getting rid of, is quite right. Mm -hmm. uh, feeling and and thinking through this incredibly intense experience. In the theatre, that I think it was a kind of crucible. Perhaps, perhaps that's because the Greek theatre is the shape of a kind of half of a, of a crucible. You know, you're subjected to these huge heats, mm -hmm. which would be unbearable, in reality. But by getting this kind of controlled dose, you're then better able to. You're strengthened, for the understanding of life. Well, and, and the control of it, I think, is also crucial. And it's one of the things that Aristotle understands particularly well is that in tragedy we're in an artistically shaped world so the things that might if we were to witness them in real life be too terrible to derive any benefit from in a theater where where they're controlled where they're meted out with with care and with intelligence in their in their execution and with technique and artistry well. mm -hmm. yeah. and with with beauty that in in that kind of control dose that that vicarious living through disaster that the disaster at at second remove maybe that makes us more able to cope with the real disasters 